morning, everyone. It is so good to be with you. I'll tell you what, it is always a privilege and a blessing to be asked to come and preach at a church, but it's a special blessing to be asked to come back and preach to a church. So I'm really thankful that you have allowed me to come back this morning. Today I'm going to be talking about reaching out, about outreach, about the call that is given to all believers to reach out to others with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Um, let, me, uh, let me read that right now. And let's remember as we hear this that this is God's word. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that we would hear these words from the Holy Scriptures this morning. We pray that we would hear and heed them and believe them. We pray that if anything that I say doesn't come from you, that you'd make it fall to the ground and pass away and be forgotten. And we pray that everything that is from you would remain. And we pray that you would work in power through these words. And we pray that you would motivate us to share with a world who desperately needs to hear of Christ Jesus and his saving love, we pray that we would join in with arms open to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I think that reaching out is one of the most difficult things to do. I think it's difficult for a whole host of different reasons. One of the reasons I think it's very difficult for us to reach out is that sometimes uh, we want to reach out, but with something other than what we're called to reach out with. I remember very distinctly that before I came to Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, I was, um, I was being interviewed by a church, and they said, you know, we really want to have a pastor that comes here be really big in outreach, but we want to make sure that whatever pastor comes here doesn't evangelize. We don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. We just want to reach out to them. Uh, but, but don't talk about churchy things if you reach out to them. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but at that point I was like, I don't think you want a pastor. I, don't, I think you want something other than a minister to come and serve this congregation. Reaching out is hard, right? This was a church that had the right desire to reach out, but the wrong, to reach out with the wrong stuff, with the wrong thing, right? When Jesus says, go out, he says, make disciples, not go out and make people feel comfortable. It's hard to reach out. It's also hard to reach out because sometimes people reach out and they, they, uh, they find themselves in the midst of the world and they find themselves, instead of calling the world to repentance and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, they find themselves conformed to the world. This is a, this is a real danger. I don't know if you've seen this sort of thing, but I certainly have. You know, I, I went to Wheaton College, so not too far away from here, and 
one of the great sadnesses of my life comes through social media. Social media probably brings all of us great sadness. But one of the reasons that it brings me sadness to see friends of mine from Wheaton College who left Wheaton, who went into their job, and then found themselves sort of conformed to the ways of the world. And when we left Wheaton, I remember them telling me, like, I want to be a part of, you know, I want to be in a secular environment because I want to tell people about Jesus. And now, I don't know, 15 years after graduation, I look, we're still friends on Facebook, and they, they, they claim to no longer believe in Jesus. And so their intention was right. My son's reaching out to me right now also. Uh, the intention was right. They desired to go into the world and to call people to believe in the Lord Jesus. <laughs> this is a new experience for us and our family. Our son has learned to be rebellious, and so it's a reminder of the reality of indwelling sin. <laughs> so the desire was right from these friends, right, to, to be a part of a secular environment, to reach out and call them to trust in the Lord Jesus. But once there, they found themselves conformed to that environment. This is a real challenge, and it's one of the reasons uh, that the scriptures warn us against this very thing. Let me read to you a couple different sections of scripture that have within, within them a reminder not to be conformed to the world or to the ways of the world. Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let me read James 1.27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let me read to you from Jude, verse 23. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by flesh. One of the dangers that happens is that when we find ourselves in the midst of the world, there are some who are conformed by that world rather than call it to repentance and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And related to that, sometimes people see that and then, and then stop reaching out. This is another danger, that we would stop reaching out, that we would stop going to the world with the message of the gospel. Not reaching out is a danger, just like going out into the world and being conformed to the world is a danger. One is that uh, sometimes people see rightly that the fallen world contains a lot of danger, that we can be transformed by the world, and so sometimes we circle the wagon and ensure that there's no contact with the world or as little contact as possible. Now, let me be clear as I say all this. You, you all have probably heard the phrase, some people are so heavenly-minded that they're no earthly good. I hear that a lot, and I have to be honest, that phrase kind of bothers me, because in my life, the people that I've seen do the most earthly good are the people who are the most heavenly-minded. We're called to be heavenly-minded for earthly good. We're called to be heavenly-minded and then be earthly good. Those who are the most heavenly-minded in my life are the ones who have been the most active in telling other people about the Lord Jesus. Those who have been the most heavenly-minded are those who care the most about caring for widows or orphans or the poor or feeding the hungry. Sometimes people don't want us to live a holy life, and so they paint a holy life as one that doesn't make much earthly difference. But the reason I think that that phrase continues is because there's something true, that there, there is a group of people that, that rightly discerns that there is 
like a challenge or that there's a difficulty out there in the world, and they're like, you know what? I'm not going to engage. And sometimes I feel this in my own heart, right? I just see the way that the world's corrupt, and I'm like, man, I just want to live in a, on a mountain and just not be bothered until my kids are adults and they never have to deal with any of the nonsense that exists out there in the world. I don't want to be corrupted by it. Let's also understand that those, that those who want to keep themselves holy and who sometimes don't engage with the world sometimes because of that, they miss the call of our Savior to go into all the world and make disciples. There's a second type of reacher-outer, though, that I think is more common. A second kind of non-reacher-outer. Those who don't reach out because we're too spiritually lazy or we're too frightened. And so we keep to ourselves and we don't reach out and we act uh, you know, just for ourselves because we're too frightened of what it means. And so I want to announce the call today of Jesus for us to go out in the power of God and operating in the power of God, keeping ourselves from the ways of the world. I want to announce that we are called to go out into the world in the power of God and call the world to trust in God. It's our call today to have open arms to the world, Christ Community Church. We're called to have open arms to the world. Now, knowing the challenges that I've kind of just laid out, inherent in reaching out, I want to talk to you about engagement with the world from a few different places. I want to talk about it in the Old Testament. I want to talk about it for Jesus, and I want to talk about it for all of us. I want to talk about engagement with the world, reaching out for the Old Testament. I want to talk about engagement, reaching out to the world as, as Jesus did it, and I want to talk about the call that belongs to each one of us, because I want to show that this call to reach out to the world is, is something that is in the whole of the scriptures. It's always for the people of God, and Jesus is the one who enables us to do it. So let's just take a look at these three different sections. So in the Old Testament, the people who were chosen by God, the people of Israel, the people who had been made his sons and daughters, are called to be an example to the world, a light to the nations. Now, we don't think often of Israel being called for that reaching out purpose, right? We might think that Israel was called explicitly and only to keep themselves from other nations. For they were, in fact, called to keep themselves different from the surrounding nations in really radical ways. This impacted the way that they dressed, the kind of diet that they ate, the things that they touched or did not touch. They were called to keep themselves distinct. But they were also called to be a light. Let me read from Deuteronomy chapter 7. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you're entering to take possession of it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Ammonites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you shall defeat them, you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters or, uh, to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons, for they would turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you, and he would destroy you quickly. But thus shall you deal with them. You shall break down their altars and dash in pieces their pillars and chop down their asherim and burn their carved images with fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be people for his treasured possession out of all the nations who are on the face of the earth. 
Do you see how distinct and holy Israel is called to be? Completely and utterly holy and distinct and other. The Lord gives them all manner of ways to remember their otherness, their set-apartness. But these practices were not intended to keep them from reaching out. They were intended to show that Israel was holy because she followed a holy God. The Lord is holy. Let me read to you from Isaiah 49. And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel? I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Do you see what the final purpose of Israel was to be? It was to be a light to the nations so that they might know God and be saved. So that the world, to the ends of the earth, would know God and be saved. The salvation of the Lord was to reach the very ends of the earth. And this was the purpose for which God was calling Israel to be holy. Not to just keep that holiness to themselves, but to call all of the nations of the world to trust in God, to believe in him. And as Christ Jesus came, that message has gone out to the world. This has been the call. God has always wanted the nations. He's always wanted the world. And this salvation that was promised, that would go out to the ends of the earth, it would come in the person of Christ Jesus. This Old Testament hope that the Lord God demonstrates to the people of Israel that they would be a light to the nations as the ends of the earth would hear and turn to the Lord in fear. It comes in Christ Jesus. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus begins his earthly ministry and very shortly after his first miracle, the leaders at the time were seeking to destroy him. Jesus, as he comes, he immediately smashes the human-made regulations of the Pharisees that they have constructed to try to protect the principle that had been given the Old Testament to keep yourselves holy, keep yourselves from the world. The Pharisees had constructed this whole incredibly complex system of regulations to, uh, to try to preserve this holiness, right? They had understood that holiness was good, but instead they had established these principles that circled the wagons and, and just kept outsiders out, and Jesus crushes that. Jesus would come into contact with unclean people like lepers, but Jesus had contact with them without contamination. Jesus was so holy that when the unclean touched him, the unclean became clean. He did not become unclean. And not only would he interact with that which was unclean, he would dine, he would feast, he would party with tax collectors and sinners, but he would not join them in debauchery or oppression. Jesus had contact with the world without being contaminated by the world. And Jesus came to be our Savior and to go to the cross and to shed his blood to forgive our sins and rise again from the dead. And if you trust in him, all your sins are forgiven. You've been set free. You've become a Christian. Jesus has died and risen again from the dead for you. That's enough. And as we look to Jesus, we look to him in faith. But it's also good to see his example and to try to imitate the Lord Jesus and how it is that he operated. Jesus showed us that one empowered by the Holy Spirit is one who is utterly filled with joy, one who is willing to feast. 
and celebrate and party and be utterly holy, not ever sinning, but not keeping himself from engagement with the world and never picking up all the practices of the world. And Jesus here provides the example to us. You and I are called to be in the world, but not of the world, to reach out to the world, but not to be transformed by it. Listen to the call that goes to all of us again this morning. Hear the words of Acts 1, what happened immediately after Jesus gives the commission in, in, uh, that we heard at the beginning of the message. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by him in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This Jesus, who you saw taken from you into heaven, will come the same way as you saw him go into heaven. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. You and I are sent out. You and I are called to have open arms to the world because the Holy Spirit wants the world for Christ. And so we reach out to the world without being transformed by the world. And we commit ourselves to reaching out so that the world might know that Jesus came and died and rose again. And that this is enough so that the world might know that God offers in salvation. We reach out sometimes indeed through, through acts of mercy and compassion and kindness to other people. And that is good. It is so good for us to do good acts for other people, to reach out in that sort of way. This, you know, I serve, as, as you know, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I love the way that, that Orland Park CRC has tried to do this. We have a car ministry. We've given away over 800 cars to people who need them over the course of the last 15 years or so. We build one house every year for someone who is in need as a congregation. It's an amazing way to reach out. But if we're only reaching out in deed and we're never pe telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ, well, that's a problem. You know, it's, it's actually, you know, it's hard in a certain way to do something kind for another person. It is way harder to do something kind for another person and then to be like, I'm doing this in the name of Jesus. Let me give you a couple of examples of ways that I have failed in this. So I, I do improv comedy. I love improvisational comedy, or I did before there was a global pandemic, right? It happened for the last six months. I was doing improv in the city of Chicago. Uh, I had graduated recently from college, and um, I was getting my start doing uh, as a part of the improv scene in Chicago. And I remember being invited to a party with a bunch of improvisers. I went there intent to not join in any debauchery, but to participate, you know, in, in fellowship with other people. And so there was a lot of stuff going on that I wasn't willing to participate in. I was, I was trying to still, you know, engage with people and be kind to people. I'd been praying for people to come to know Jesus that were a part of my improv team and a part of my improv classes. And I was talking to one guy in particular who was, who was having a, a really hard time. And I just tried to actively listen, and I expressed compassion and kindness for him. And he goes, bro, you are so kind. 
being so kind. Here's what I wish I would have said to my friends that particular evening. Well, you know, I, I believe in Jesus. And, you know, by believing in Jesus, he makes me to be kind. And, and so that's why I am. And you know what? I know how much you're going through right now, and you need to believe in Jesus too. And, I mean, all of the blessings and benefits, I know because I trust him. I mean, you can know them too. But the best thing is actually just knowing him. That's what I wish I would have said. Here's what I said. Yeah, man, well, you just got to be nice sometimes, you know. That's what I said. It wasn't good. I had been praying for an opportunity. Here was a clear opportunity. I missed it. I whiffed, right? I had reached out indeed. I had neglected to mention Jesus. Let me tell you one more story. I was in California. I was in seminary. I went to the airport to pick up one of my roommates from the, or actually to drop off one of my roommates at the airport. I dropped him off. I was sitting there. Somebody started backing up. They backed into my car. I had been honking at them, but they had not seen me. They just backed up into it. We both got out of our cars. We looked at it. My car was super old. It was not a nice car. It had about 200,000 miles on it. I had a scratch on my front, front bumper, but I thought, you know what? The, the cost to just repair this scratch, I mean, there's, clear, there's clearly no damage other than just the scratching across the front. I was like, to repair that, it's going to be more than the car is worth. And so the person was like, I am so sorry. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to let you go. And he looked at me, he's like, seriously? Why would you do that? Here's what I wish I had said to that person on this morning in California. I wish I had said, you know what? I am a Christian. I know Jesus, and, and I have been forgiven all of my sins because of Jesus. And so as somebody who has been forgiven everything, I need to be somebody who forgives too. And so I just want to do that, and, and you should be a Christian too. And know that Jesus forgives sins. That's what I wish I would have said. Here's what I said. Yeah, man, sometimes you just got to be kind, you know? Sometimes you just got to let people go. I missed it, and I still, am, I still am embarrassed as I think about both of those times, right? In both of those instances, I determined that I was going to be kind, and my intention was to do it to let people know about Jesus. And then I just at the end, I messed up. Because sometimes it can be tough to talk about the most important part of all of this. And so let me just reiterate again our call. We're called to have open arms to the world, not just so that people are like, you know what, you're so kind, and you're like, yeah, sometimes you just got to be kind, right? But so that the world might know Jesus. We're supposed to reach out in deeds, not just so that people see our kindness, but so that the world knows Jesus. All of the homes that are, you know, coming to be around this area are filled with people who need to know Jesus. The ends of the earth are filled up with people that need to know that Jesus 
saves. And Christ's community church needs to have an attitude and a posture of open arms to say, come and worship Jesus with us. We have to have an attitude that is willing to go and to be in places where there are tax collectors and sinners and pagans, and we need to be Christians and be holy that they might see our holiness and be like, why? And then we can be like, because of Jesus. We need to know him too. And so let me encourage you today. Make a plan. How are you going to reach out? There may be ways that you, uh, that you reach out already. It, it may be that you just need to, like me, in those instances where you have the opportunity to share the gospel, it just might be that you need to be explicit in those moments. Explicit about why it is you are the way that you are, because you believe in Jesus. It might be that you need to start praying with another person for a third person that you both know that, that you want to come to the Lord Jesus. One of my professors at Wheaton said that, that one of the largest churches in South Korea has grown through one simple plan. There are two people that come together and pray regularly for a third person to come and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. They pray for that person and pray for that person and pray for the person that, that Christ would claim that person and draw that person into the church. And then they share the gospel with that person and share the gospel with that person. And a lot of times, that person becomes a Christian. And then they have three people. And they start praying for another person that they all know, that this person might come to faith in the Lord Jesus, and they pray for that person, and they pray for that person, and they pray for that person, and then they share the gospel with that person. And a lot of times, that person will come to be a Christian. And then they have four people, and they split into two groups of two. And they pray for, each group prays for a, you know, a third person. And they pray for those people, and they pray for those people, and they pray for and so on and so on and so forth. And they have a, a massive church, one of the largest churches in all of South Korea that is almost all people that have come to faith in Jesus because people put that into practice. That might be a plan that would work for you in this context. You might have a friend, and the two of you might know a third person that needs to come to faith in Jesus. Maybe it's time for you to meet regularly and pray for that person and pray and pray and invite them to church and share the gospel. Maybe there's a person that even in, uh, in this time where we're worshiping together, God has kind of brought that person's name to your mind or set that person's name on your heart. Maybe there is somebody that has been uh, a co-worker of yours or maybe you're in the same social circles or maybe, I don't know, but maybe that person's na name has come to mind in your heart. Maybe it's time to tell them about Jesus. But will you pray? for opportunities to share the gospel. After flubbing those two times that I told you about to be made holy, I started praying regularly in my time of prayer that God would give me the opportunity to share the gospel. Lord, help, help me to have the opportunity to share the gospel. And something amazing started happening to me. It's like, it's like God was just like laying it in my lap because those, those questions like, why are you so kind or why are you doing this? Those were maybe too ambiguous for somebody as broken as myself. So God started having people ask more explicit questions. They'd be like, why are you a Christian? And I'd be like, I can't mess this one up. I've got to talk about Jesus. And they're like, 
God answers our prayers when we start to pray, so maybe it's just time for you to start to say, God, give me opportunity to share the gospel. Give me opportunity to share the gospel. Maybe that needs to characterize your family prayers. Maybe that needs to characterize your individual prayers. But develop a plan. How are you going to reach out? Because the Holy Spirit wants the world for Christ. So make us a light, Lord. A light for the nations. Give us, Lord, open arms for the world. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would give to us here at Christ Community Church open arms to the world. And we pray that you would make use of us to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ with our neighbors, with our friends, with this community, with the whole world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.